Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Speaking for the Silence podcast on the Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions expressed in this episode are mine and mine only. Please enjoy the show. You are listening to the Speaking for the Silence podcast with your host, Jacqueline Sun. In this episode of Speaking for the Silenced, we will begin a two-part segment discussing child soldiers and their roles in wars. A child soldier is someone who is under 18 years old who is compelled through force or fraud to engage directly or indirectly in armed conflict. They may work under the military or a non-government organization. Since 2005, around 93,000 children have been found to be child soldiers all around the world. Of course, the actual number is likely higher. Child soldiers are most frequently used in South America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. In Asia, the practice originated in the Iraq-Iran War that lasted from 1980 to 1988. Under the religious laws of Islam in Iran, soldiers had to be at least 16 to be recruited to fight. However, the war against Iraq was going south, so in 1984, Iran went against its laws and began enlisting anyone from age 12 to 72. While horrific, the use of children in fighting proved somewhat effective, and soon, Iraq took up this practice in retaliation. From here, the practice only spread across the continent and seas. The UN estimates that there are over 300,000 child soldiers in the world today. The idea of a child as young as seven joining an armed battle is a horrifying idea to many, so why does it happen? I'm going to focus on three main reasons, and the first one is poverty or bad home conditions. Many children may be driven to find a source of income for their families or for themselves. An army or organization may provide food or pay to these children, even if it is meager. Some may simply find the homes provided as a soldier better than whatever conditions that they live in currently. Another reason is survival or protection in warring zones. In certain regions that are constantly under the threat of attack or bombing, children may join militant organizations for protection. Here, they are at least provided weapons and a shelter from the attacks. However, the irony is that it is often the organizations they join that are responsible for the violence in the area, whether due to territorial or resource fights. In this way, it is a self-perpetuating cycle. The organizations breed violence, the children join the organization for protection, and then go on to fight and cause even more casualties. The third reason is force, coercion, or indoctrination, which we saw in the Iran-Iraq War. Children are young, weaker, and more easily manipulated. Armed factions can easily threaten a child's family or coerce the child themselves into joining them. Children are also more impressionable and affected by the influence of those around them. If they are raised in a region of violence or are introduced to a militant organization early on, they may feel compelled to join the fighting. It is in this way that children can be manipulated to pick up weapons and feel justified doing so. In certain cases, children are educated from a young age in a concept known as hero worship. They are told that if they join a military or an organization, they can be in positions of power such as being a soldier, a general, or a spy. As a result, the people around them will respect them more and they will be lauded as heroes. However, what many children don't know is that taking on these positions will often result in death at their young age. No matter the conditions under which a child becomes a soldier, the army or organization that employs them is engaging in an extensive form of exploitation that qualifies as human trafficking. The children are driven to join by factors outside of their control, such as indoctrination, bombing, or threats of hunger, and it is never a truly voluntary choice for them to turn to violence. 
Because of their young age, many do not truly comprehend what they are going into. A human brain continues to develop until their mid-twenties, so the children are not making the best, informed, conscious decisions when deciding to join the fighting. The organizations or armies that recruit the children quote-unquote train them for fighting and violence, converting them into little more than machines who believe they are doing the right thing. In turn, this makes them dependent on the organization for their sense of identity. Most importantly, no child ever deserves to be thrown into a world of violence where their lives may be taken in a blink of an eye. Contrary to their name, child soldiers are not always used in direct combat. Some are used for reconnaissance and others are used in behind-the-scene duties such as cooking or organizing supplies. However, the perhaps worst other use for the children besides fighting is the provision of sexual services to the soldiers. Girls are frequently the target of this, and this act walks the line between the crime of child soldiering and sex trafficking. Now let's take a look into the experiences of the children during their recruitment. For the actual fighting on the front lines, I do not need to tell you that it is a horrible, debilitating process for the children. A child with their physically weaker, smaller stature is more easily missed or looked over in combat. However, they are also physically weaker and will not hold up well against weapons wielded by a taller, stronger adult. As for the soldiers of any war, a child soldier may experience chronic physical injury, mental trauma in the form of PTSD, or death. Organizations, perhaps recognizing the unpredictability of children, will often send them on suicidal missions. They clear the battlefield for the advance of actual adult soldiers, who are better trained and equipped for fighting. For example, in the Iran-Iraq war that first recruited child soldiers, Iran sent children as young as 12 to the front lines with one or two grenades or a gun with minimal ammunition. Their purpose was to advance into the battlefield and clear out any minefields that would otherwise harm the adult soldiers, weakening Iraq's defenses to a frontal assault by Iran. If the children made it far enough, they would act as a surprise attack on the Iraqi soldiers. No adult soldiers truly expects a child to come out of nowhere and shoot them, so the children were a good surprise attack for the Iranians. With their meager weaponry, it was essentially a kamikaze attack for the children, however. Few, if any of the thousands sent out, made it back alive. Of course, there are instances where children are actually trained in combat to fight alongside adults, but even then they are incredibly susceptible to mental and physical trauma. Now let's look at the reconnaissance aspect of child soldiering that some may be put into. Children, due to their unassuming natures, can be molded into perfect spies, and armies and organizations use this to its full potential. No soldier expects a 12 or 13 year old to be gathering information on the enemy or to even be in a war zone, and as a result, they are often overlooked. This is what makes them dangerous. In Colombia, children are used to smuggle weapons through checkpoints to supply armies or organizations. While adults are often thoroughly searched, children are often let through without struggle. In some cases, guards may perceive an adult accompanied by a child as more trustworthy and will allow them through with little resistance at all. In this way, children can also collect and relay information more effectively. They are trained to always return to their organization and expel any intel they have heard. Unfortunately, they are also trained to sacrifice themselves and take out the others around them if they are caught. This is often done with a grenade. Now let's look at the last major aspect of child soldiering, which is sexual services. Girls are frequently the target of sexual exploitation when recruited into a militant organization. They are often given to adult male soldiers who are seeking a form of stress relief from the violent war and fighting that they are engaging in. Sex is also seen as a form of compensation, and in some cases, the girls are forced to marry the soldiers and raise families. 
This is a truly gregarious practice. No person, let alone a child, can legally be forced into a situation where they must give up their bodies. Because a child's body is not fully developed, it is likely they will suffer physical trauma on top of mental trauma from the sexual assault. In warring times, the conditions of army camps are also often unsanitary and highly infectious. Many children can contract sexually transmitted diseases, and if they are viral, then the children can never be cured. These diseases, such as HIV or AIDS, decrease the quality of life and the lifespan of children greatly. No matter what a child soldier is compelled to do, the experience is likely to be traumatizing and will permanently shape them, physically or mentally. Let's take a closer look at the aftermath. Just as many adult soldiers will suffer post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, upon returning from a war, child soldiers will as well. However, the impact is different on the two age groups. While PTSD is a traumatic mental illness that can heavily alter the life of both, adults often have an easier time expressing their troubles and seeking help than children do. Adults can find support systems that help ease their trauma. Children are often too young to understand or verbalize what they are feeling, and their trauma will only fester and worsen their mental state over time. As mentioned before, a child is also more impressionable. A worrying experience can have a greater impact on someone who is 12 and has not experienced the world as much as an adult has. The child may grow up believing that the only life they can live is one of violence or service. Child soldiers are also often rejected from their communities. There already exists a stigma around veterans returning from bloodshed and battlefields from the war, and the idea that a mere child has engaged in such scenarios is a thought that many cannot bear. As a result, Instead of welcoming a surviving child soldier back into comfort and normality, the community may reject the child because they are quote-unquote tainted. This bodes badly for the child. The best way they can recover from the trauma they have experienced is to find people to share their experiences with and build trust among. However, if everyone rejects them, the child's emotional state may suffer and they may re-enter the battlefield because they have nowhere else to go. So how can these children be helped? First and foremost, the children must be provided physical comfort and aid. Many children exit their coerced service with severe injuries that must be treated before they become worse. However, perhaps most importantly is providing psychological support. As mentioned, child soldiers face traumatic, polarizing experiences, and they will need help overcoming this. Child soldiery is a despicable form of human trafficking that is frequently overlooked due to having little media coverage. Tune in next week for a more focused look into one country that is currently engaging in this crime, Yemen. See you soon!